0: perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart Coors Brewing Company Golden Colorado and as always celebrate this uh, is Joe Cole this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek and you're listening to the London Blue 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 Podcast
1: The strength in depth, the strength in character, our ability to be able to handle game after game without much recovery. Real testament to the players, to the backroom staff. I think this is the reason why we are the best team.
0: All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. As always, your host, joined by co-host Nick, not Dan. He's working on a secret project, but instead, Nick... At this point, if anyone is surprised who is joining us to talk about the Chelsea women winning the FAWSL season, they must be new to the pod and welcome. They
1: have, they have not <laughs> they have not been paying attention and or are brand new and, and today's result brought them into the fold, which is a, a great thing. Andre, what's up, my man?
2: Oh, you know, nothing much. Just having fun, um, watching trophy lifts back to back, watching a number of goals back-to-back. Back. Can't stop smiling. Uh, just so proud of this team. It's ridiculous.
0: Watching beers being chugged and poured everywhere. <laughs> We're going to get I, into
1: it. We're going to get yeah, into that for sure.
2: There, there's <laughs> plenty to talk about in terms of the celebrations. I don't have any idea what was going on. <laughs> so I have a lot of questions about one in particular.
0: Hey, hard to control your emotions when you've just achieved <laughs> that success. Look, if, you, if you're not plugging in by now, we are talking about... Chelsea women winning the title, right? We, this is a title celebration podcast. Um, we're going to talk about players, managers, results, kind of how we got here, uh, what it took, you know, because this is probably, granted, it's back-to-back titles. Last year was decided on a points-per-match average at the end. We won by, I think, a half of a point over Manchester City. This year, no doubt at who are the champions. So uh, we're just going to kind of run around and talk about a few different things that led us to this point. And then, you know, we can maybe touch a little bit at what's next for this team because uh, they've collected trophy number two out of a possible four right now. So a lot still to play for, even though they have the league tied up. So again, we got Andre from the Frank Kirby fight club. So if you're unfamiliar, go check them out on socials, give them a follow. Uh, they cover exclusively the Chelsea women's team and we love mm-hmm. their content. So Nick, Kind of kicking it off. Um, this is really goes back to when Emma Hage joined the club. Um, they she she always had the ambition and the drive to not just win a title. By the way, she holds the most titles with I believe four. Um, it was about just total and utter domination and the fact that the, this team is going for a quadruple is 100% down to the manager and him, her ambition and, this, and the targets that she set for herself.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to talk about the Chelsea women without first referencing the uh, the, the general in the field, and, and that's Emma Hayes. Uh, she is... I, I know we've waxed poetic about her for a long time and especially a lot this season, but it, it's hard to understate how good she is. <laughs> I, like, it, I mean... It's absolutely insane that this is, Andre, I believe, her 10th major trophy at Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. And and when I I was – I heard nine earlier in the week, and they were clearly going to go and and win today and get get number 10. But all I saw in my head was that that photo of John Terry when he was done at Chelsea with all the trophies in front of the the trophy cabinet at his house. And I'm just wondering, is she – going to have more than he does at this point. I mean, it's like, tr- it's trending in that direction. And it's, it, it, that's why for, for my brain and what, why we wanted to bring you in is just to help us contextualize how incredibly impressive this human being is.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing with Emma Hayes is that it's it's club-wide. It's the whole scope mm-hmm. of the team from player recruitment to tactics to player management you know she she always talks about she brings in personalities not just players she wants to make sure the players can have the right personalities and can fit together and I do think that and obviously I'm I love this team so this is I'm obviously going to be biased in what I'm about to say but it's not just as easy as getting Sam Kerr and Peniel Harder and winning right like Yes, any team that has those two are going to be good. And you add them to Fran Kirby, yes, they're going to be a really good team. However, if you watch the way that they play, it's, this is the first season they've all played together, by the way. Like, Fran Kirby just came back. She didn't play much with Sam Kerr. And this is their very first season playing together. They just got Pernell Harder in the in the offseason um, between the, these two seasons. And same with Melanie Loopholes. So you look at those players and how they all came together and how fluid they play and have played, it didn't, it wasn't easy. They started off kind of kind of rough, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But it's just that when Emma Hayes now gets to the end of this journey and she's talking about, you know, the mentality in the team, you know, wanting, you know, all the, the entire team being on the same page, everybody wanting to win so bad that she doesn't have to worry about that. She just has to go out there and really do her job, and that's because she laid the foundation on the front end and made sure that who she put in, who she brought in, they all bought into what she was trying to do. And regardless of whether they had to sit on the bench a couple times for some big games or they were key parts to certain game plans, the whole team was fine with it because they they knew that if they were, they would achieve these goals.
1: I mean, she's, she's had to manage some of the best players in the world, those some of those best players in the world come with egos, right? They come with their own uh, swag. They come with their own self belief, and you know, unless you're Steve Kerr with the Warriors, uh, that's uh, that's hard to do as a as a manager uh, or a coach. It's hard to manage a bunch of really talented people, and it's why a lot of times super teams, you know, those who have a, a collection of individuals from the outside, don't don't typically. Uh, vie for a quadruple. Um, it's it's hard uh, to to do that, and I think Emma Hayes, in addition to being absurdly authentic, uh, to being incredibly smart, to having foresight uh, well beyond her years, and as to how to coach a women's team versus how most uh, most teams uh, use this as an extension of their men's team, uh, she has also figured out how to. Pair some of the most intense personalities in the sport together to make the perfect combination. And I think, as a manager, there's probably no greater feeling of success than to see an Aaron Cuthbert find success amongst all of these other world class players, or to find, you know, to see a Fleming start to have success at the beginning of her career, or, you know, on and on and on. Because it's again, you watch Sam Kerr do her thing, it's like I, you know, how much coaching is going into Sam Kerr being Sam Kerr? I don't know. But the rest of it has to work, you know, and, and
0: I think that's the credit that, that she deserves. So kinda you know, zooming back a little bit because, you know, she's she's the, the captain of the ship. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I wanna talk about how much development and advancement um, that she has pushed Chelsea to do and credit to Chelsea. They've invested in her and supported her. The things that Chelsea women are doing. I mean, you got to remember, guys, Manchester United just got a team. Liverpool has been relegated. <laughs> they don't care about their teams. Realistically, and I'm going to say this with the utmost confidence, the Manchester City. And the Chelsea owners really are the only ones that care in the top at the top of the Premier League. With the men and the women winning trophies, investing in those teams, Arsenal used to be very good. They've dropped off. Like I said, Tottenham barely have a team. Liverpool have let their team completely go. Manchester City and Chelsea on all fronts are the ones driving forward and pushing investment and, um, you know... Uh, Innovation into these teams, and I think that's really important to to touch on. As a Chelsea fan, you can be so proud um, to know that Roman is putting a ton of money. Uh, he just he just had that article recently and, and put the shots across the bowels of his other owners for not doing more in the women's in the women's game. And they found their person in Emma Hayes to to do that, and it's been phenomenal what what they've been able to do. So, um, in case you. Aren't really familiar, and we're we're bringing it in. Uh, This is a twelve-team league, all right. So uh, Chelsea won by the thinnest of margins, Andre. So twenty-two matches played, fifty-seven points. We had eighteen wins, three draws, one loss. Lost once all season to Brighton, (laughs) and everyone was shocked by it. And we (laughs) kept winning after that. Uh, Manchester City, seventeen wins. Four draws, one loss. The difference in winning the league or not came down to a single draw. I thought last season was tight on the points per game analysis. Again, Chelsea and Manchester City just neck and neck throughout the entire season.
2: Yeah, Manchester City, I mean, it it got to the point where it's actually kind of funny. I was thinking about this earlier is in the buildup to this match, you know, and, and the final day of the league, which is always a fun thing, especially when, you know, at the bottom and the top, you know, there were a lot of permutations that could have happened. And obviously for us at Chelsea, we were making sure that we needed to, to win this title to make sure that, like, we didn't waste the season that we've had and trip up. And actually, I really want to kind of frame this because I think Emma Hayes said it, in her post-game um, when they, she was chatting with BT Sport. Credit to the players because they got through a very difficult and tough second leg against uh, Bayern Munich. They turned that around, and that game, I mean, the final score was 4-1, but it was not a 4-1 match. That match was tough. That match was difficult. It ebbed and flowed, and Fran Kirby scores the, uh, into an empty net in stoppage time to make it 4-1. That that match was ridiculous and exhausting. That was on a Sunday. On Wednesday, they had to go and play Tottenham. Tottenham is not a great team, but it's a London derby, and Tottenham loves messing up <laughs> some of the big clubs, and they can, because Chelsea had to win. Tottenham could play for a draw, a nil-nil draw, and that wouldn't be good enough for Chelsea with Manchester City rolling. And then, from Wednesday, you have it till Sunday. I mean, you really have to turn it around. And yes, Chelsea beat Reading before. They beat them 5-0 again, uh, which they did early in, in this year. I believe in January, the first match of 2021 uh, that they had. But you just think about how exhausted the players emotionally must be and physically must be. But they put all that aside. And this was built up as like title deciding day. What happens on the end? Manchester City are the ones that end up struggling in their match. They only get one goal when they needed to make up a goal difference if if we were going to end up being tied on points, and we roll 5-0. That, to me, is the margin between Chelsea and Manchester City. On the table is two points. In reality, and in my mind, it's that. Manchester City couldn't do that, and they didn't have a semifinal to play. <laughs> Whereas we did, we won it, and we came down and still put in the performances that we did unreal
1: well and this is you know only uh, about 10 days removed from an incredible tense draw against manchester city up in manchester you know i I mean this has all happened much like you know we we cover the men's team and it just seems like one big game after another big game after another big game The 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 mental fortitude that you need to continue to raise your level um especially in, in moments where you know it it's a knife edge. You know, it could go either way. Uh, if, you know, if you slip up or you draw or whatever, and Katrin Berger making the save in Manchester by, by this much of a margin, mm-hmm. right, yes. is the thing that really, at the end of the day, propels Chelsea Football Club uh, women to the, to the league title. It's all happening amidst the pandemic. It's all happening uh, amidst a movement in the world for more female voices to be heard uh, in sport and otherwise. And I think it's just an incredible credit to the ethos of what Emma Hayes is driving for, what the club is driving for and the investment in not just the players, because I think that's the easy thing to see, right. But the training facilities and every, you know, all the private coaches now and like all the stuff that is, you know, kind of, Ancillary to what they're doing, uh, it all just shows what I think the club wants to see, Brandon. That's that they want to be world class.
0: Yeah, look, thirty-two matches unbeaten in the WSLs. What they got up to between last season and this season, um, they broke their own record, I think, three times this last year. <laughs> yeah. uh, you had the match where we we. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Uh, Chelsea nine, Bristol C- City none, thirteenth of September, nine goals. Nine different goal scores. In the <laughs> world, did they pull something like that off? Nine different players scored, which is which is wild. Uh beating Manchester City throughout the time. I mean, the resiliency again, Arsenal, Chelsea 1-1. They were at the top of the table at one point. United were at the top of the table at one point, knocking everyone off to get to the top, and then held it there kind of throughout the season. Um, we kind of mentioned this, picked up the County Cup. Uh, midway through the season as well, which if from the men's perspective, you can kind of call that the League Cup or the Carabao Cup, right? It's a smaller cup competition the yeah. ends early in the season. Uh, it doesn't seem that Brandon threw to the ad break at any point in this episode. So let's get this out of the way early. Enjoy some beats. Enjoy some advertising. Thank you so much to our sponsors. So... A, a lot of different stuff going on as well. You know, again, we talked about Champions League. We'll touch on that separately outside of this because we just want to focus on Chelsea winning this one. But trust me, to Andrew's point, there were a lot of roadblocks and challenges they did. But again, to have the golden boot and the golden glove in this team just, again, talks to the collective effort um, of the team and, and the success that they had on the pitch through all this different turmoil. So again... Um, you nine, know. nine nil, nine different goal scorers
1: <laughs> tells you exactly what you need to know about this team and their just wonderful spirit that they have. Like, you know, it, it, Sam Kirk could have had all nine if she wanted to that day. <laughs> right. Like th- there would have been uh, no reckoning if, if there would have been a dominant goal scorer that day. But they just love spreading the ball around. They're fun to watch. They're far more fun to watch than Manchester City are. And they just play with a style and a swagger that, you know, I think we've said all year that we wish the men would have played with, especially in the final third. I mean, there is a cutting edge. There's a ruthlessness that is just uh, unparalleled
0: uh, as as they kind of reach this league championship. So to underline that with some statistics, uh, we've scored 64 goals, which would be three point zero five per game Uh, goals against ten. All season, 10. We ship 5 against West Brom, which we keep talking about on the men's side. Uh, 0.48 per game. Goal difference of 54. Plus 54 in 22 matches. Remember, far less matches than a normal men's Premier League season. They did a plus 54 in 22 matches. Our XG was 54.4. Um, so they overshot that, which is great. And their expected goals against was 12, which they underachieved, which is great. So again, um, absolutely phenomenal from, from this team. So I think Andre, if we're going to dig into the players a little bit, you talked about the new signings that we'd had. We talked about, um, I'd say mid season signings last year, finally kind of started to find their, their form. Um, who do you think was most impressive from a standout to your perspective? And I always start, are you looking at the offense or the defense? The amount of goals you scored, how fluid and it it's crazy watching Kerr and Kirby to go together. But then I think there's also massive, massive shot with Anchor Chinberger also putting her name in that basket. So I guess from your perspective, who do you feel is really like the standout, maybe um, game changer that, that really was the missing cog to this puzzle? You're going to make me choose one. <laughs> just Not just to start. Just to win. start. <laughs> who, who had a bigger role maybe than we kind of expected or ended up being much more uh, central to all the success? Well,
2: in terms of what we expected, I think that absolutely has to go to <laughs> – I'm going to cheat and say Kirby. Um, yeah. and, and the reason I'm going to cheat and say that is because it's not – with Fran Kirby, because of what she went through with her illness last last season – we didn't know what she was going to look like on the pitch. We didn't know how long she was going to need to get back up to full fitness. We didn't know it's a long time to go without playing top mm-hmm. flight football. And you know, I I think I've said it before on this podcast and our and my own podcast. She got winded walking up and downstairs at, at one point with with pericarditis. Like it it was it really ravaged her, and we didn't know what what to expect. And not only does she have the best season she's ever had. She has a partner like Sam Kerr, who is perfect. Those two, and I think this is this kind of goes back to Emma Hayes too. Like I said, it's not just bringing in Sam Kerr because Sam Kerr is really good. What Emma Hayes needed was somebody who was going to be able to keep up with the best version of Fran Kirby. Emma Hayes always believed that Fran Kirby was going to get back and playing the way that she's been, that she knows she can play. She ex- ex- exceeded her expectations for us. But I think Emma Hayes said, yeah, this is what she can do, and this is what I envisioned. And you get Sam Kerr and you get Fran Kirby going on a break. I don't care how many defenders you have back. As we saw Bayern Munich in the semifinal, they had about four or five defenders back, and that break was so sharp and so quick between just the two of them that they scored the opening goal within 10 minutes, like unbelievable unreal so i like the combination and just the numbers the sheer numbers of those (laughs) two in terms of goals and assists it's absurd it's absurd just in the league do you want
1: do you want me to to read them please please do blow the people's minds because this is insane yeah i mean it's it is literally a one-two punch uh, like we've never seen before uh let's start with sam kerr a golden boot winner it turns out uh 21 goals seven assists Turns uh, out she can score in Europe.
2: Interesting. Huh, who okay. knew?
1: Yeah, uh, and then Frank Kirby, who uh, is player of the season, and you know I think number one in our hearts. Sixteen goals, eleven assists. Most of those are going to each other, <laughs> uh, which which makes it all the more impressive. And I mean, it's hard to separate them. I, I mean, it is. You can look at Frank Kirby, who I think. Showed pace and ingenuity and uh a, just a sense for where Sam Kerr was that you know we weren't sure how that was going to work we weren't sure if Frank Kirby was going to be in every other match type of player if or what um that's really intriguing and then look I just both of them in the box together know where they're gonna move and to have that telepathy to understand where they're going to go. And this is without last year's top scorer, Bethany England really being a huge part of the, I mean, that's yeah. how bonkers this is. It's just, it's so much fun to watch. And if they get on a break, my confidence level in that ball going in the back of the net is 100%. I, I, I mean, they missed a couple this year. They went back down and scored it the next time. I mean, it, it was, it's, it is like watching fast break basketball at times, like, <laughs> like and and some defenders just made business decisions to 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 <laughs> not to not get posterized. You know, I mean, it's it's just it's a wonderful thing to watch, and you have to start with those two. And it's also for
2: me the variety of goals
1: that they score.
2: Yeah, there's some where you know you have your your consistent where Fran Kirby gets to the byline and she cuts back and Sam Kerr flashes across goal and gets that. But there were cutbacks. There are there are, you know, Kirby sometimes is on the left or the right. Sam Kerr is sometimes central or wide left or even wide right. Like there's so much off the ball movement for each other and they still know where each other's gonna go. And it's just so wild. I'm trying to remember the team that they scored this goal against, but Fran Kirby basically had a no look assist for Sam Kerr one time. Like when you mentioned telepathy, it's not exaggeration. Those two know what the other's going to be doing. And the main reason is because their football IQ is so high. Like, they know that if they put the ball into space, the other one's going to run there. And that's basically how that no-look assist happened because she had no idea that Sam Kerr was going to cut across her defender and get into that space. But that was the space that opened up. That was the space available to her. That's where the ball went. Goal. So it's just like, and honestly, how do you defend that? We saw in the stats you just read, you can't.
1: It's it's big goals and big moments too, Brandon. I mean, the, Chelsea have not had a always comfortable type of, of game this season. I mean, you think about the Wolfsburg uh, two legs in, in the quarterfinals. You think about Bayern Munich in the semifinals. You think about the game we played against Manchester City. You think about some of the major goals that Sam Kerr stepped up with or that Frank Kirby stepped up with, and it it just this is this is not uh, th- these are not flat track bullies, right? These are big game players. They just need to know who they're playing against.
0: Yeah, it, look, you talk about Frank Kirby having resurgence, right? So she was the top scorer back in 2017, won the league uh, with only eight matches played. Tell you how far this league and this team have come. All right. Yep. Uh, the next season, 2017, 18, Frank Kirby top scorer. She had eight goals that season. And then it was Bethany England, the last two seasons, and then Sam Kerr this season. But again, the, the ability to create and score from Kirby. Uh, Gabriel was asking me today, actually, who my kind of player this season was for the women. And I said Kirby because I was like, I'm a bit nostalgic. You know, when we first started watching the women's team, you know, she was the star. She was voted top female player in the entire country. And Andre, to your point, the the health issues and the mental issues that hit her, for her to come back and not just come back, but come back so strong in the first season back is such a testament because there were so many other players that could have taken those minutes and taken those opportunities. And credit to Fran, she delivered over Uh, and over and over. And that's. That's kind of why I went with her as my player of the season. But again, so, so many freaking options. If if you
1: allow me an American sports comparison, Andre, uh, she reminds me of of when Peyton Manning came back and, and had his best season with the Broncos after his neck injury. It. It was like a stat like you didn't know who like if he was going to be able to throw a football like a neck injury is a big deal. Right. And, and so he goes in and throws like a billion touchdowns the next year. And you're like, oh, yeah, still really good. Still a really good player, turns out. Um That's kind of what she reminded me of this year. Just, you know, form his temporary class is permanent.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, that that's not a that's not a terrible analogy. The only thing I'll say that's so interesting about Fran Kirby is that, you know, Brandon just read her stats and everything. I don't know how you get better by not playing football for a year, but she got better. I don't know how she did that. I legit do not understand how she did that. I know, obviously, that having Sam Kerr helped. I know that, obviously, you know, having a stronger team and having the motivation back uh, for football. She mentioned uh, in her post-match that she found a love of the game again um, through this season, throughout this season. And it, it just really showed. Like, she didn't even really have to say it, but I'm so glad that she did because you could see, you could just see it. She loves playing with this team. She loves performing with this team and assisting teammates and scoring goals and being on the end of those moves. I mean, you think about, like, every attacking player loves to score a goal. But when you create the sort of movement and passing that Chelsea have this season and you get to be the one to finish some of those chances, like, that just has to make you so excited to go out there and do it again. And I honestly think that that's why you see so many of those scorelines that you do, like 9-0, nine different goal scorers. And you see like today, another 5-0 win over Reading. Like you see that this team, once they get a taste of it, they just, they go for it. And they bombard you and they realize where the space is. And you're never, and they're never going to do the same thing to you twice. Not, at least not back to back. It may happen a couple of times in a match, but they know once they get you and once they figure you out it's a wrap <laughs> and any player on that pitch can step up into those spaces. And that's why like, they're so difficult to defend because they, they come from all over. And I, I do want to give a quick shout out real quick uh, because Fran Kirby is to me, far and away the, the player of the season, particularly for Chelsea. But when you mention defense and I don't want to leave the defense completely out because I think Ann Ketrenberger is a huge part. Like you mentioned her save, but also Magda Erickson Mm. what she does for this team is she she basically shrinks the pitch for them and without her we saw how they defend we saw how mm, shaky they are we saw how nervy they look in the back with her completely different team and I think she just affects she's one of those defenders where we're seeing these a little bit more these days but it takes an excellent player and we're seeing she's one of those defenders that affects all three lines and that's really hard to do but she does it almost effortlessly, like you won't notice her until she's gone. And then you're like, Magda, come back. What's, what's going on? Please heal. You, you need to be back. We can't not have you in the lineup because she makes the match so much easier and so much more open for everyone
1: else. So her, her passing, man.
2: Yes. It, so many moves start from Magda Arison carrying the ball up, sometimes into the attacking half. If you lengthen. give her the space, she'll just go. And then she'll, she can pinpoint a pass. It'll be a, a slot pass, a slide pass straight up into the final third. She'll, and, and it just completely breaks the team. I mean, she'll just break lines with her passing and completely shrink the pitch. And when you shrink the pitch and you have Harder, Kirby, Kerr running around, <laughs> interchanging, and, and you're trying to, to control them within a, space, a span of about, like, what, 10, 15 yards? Good luck with that.
0: So the top three minutes played Millie, Magda, Joanna, right? Three of the four defenders that were rocks, obviously. Um, Millie had the most with 1,800 minutes, 17 for Magda, and 15 and a half for for Joanna Anderson. Um, That's consistency. Look, we've seen it on the men's side uh, with how Tuchel has settled that defense and how much plays off it. It's the exact same thing here, right, with this team. The defense is what starts everything. And if you get a red card, if you get an injury, like we saw Sophie Ingle drop back to center back and you're like, whoop, that didn't work." All right, next. <laughs> <laughs> um you just realize that uh also how blessed they are to have such different players in there mm-hmm. as well. Um Millie and Magda couldn't probably be too different. Like or they couldn't be like too farther apart on like the scale of center backs right millie strong big enforcer 60 yard diagonal ball magna reads it movement looks for positioning uh the passing her ability in those things and and they're both vocal i mean who lifted the trophy today millie and magna right and it's because they are the partnership. Everything comes from there. Millie used to be the captain, um, but she still is on the pitch, like verbally and things like that. So um, every great team has a subtle defense, and this team does. Yeah. And, and don't forget about Marin, right? I mean, it's
1: it's hard. You know, that was yeah. the, the best part of the celebrations today was seeing Marin Melda with her uh cane crutch thing, uh, that uh, as she's recovering from her ACL injury, and it's a reminder that Chelsea are not at full strength right now. At full strength would mean that Marin Mielda is in the team because she is our starting right back. Yeah. Andre, I mean, this is a uh, a world class player who's been at the club for a long time and who understands Emma's system almost better than anybody.
2: Yeah, and real real quick on on Marin, it's an MCL. Thankfully, we thought it was MCL an MCL, okay. but yeah, it's an MCL, okay. so she will be back by um, the beginning of next season. But yeah, I mean, this is this probably is a segment that goes back to Emma Hayes because you, she is fearless in how she directs this team. And like I was mentioning before, this team follows her because they understand that she's going to be fair and they trust her and they're going to put in the performances and she, and they know that she doesn't have any, you know, slight against a particular player or anything like that. There's maximum trust there. And you really see that in the fullback positions. Against Bayern Munich, we played a back line that we'd never played before. Jess Carter was at right back. Neve Charles was at left back. We'd never done that before. And it worked. (laughs) And we saw that a bit uh, again today. Emma Hayes has not hesitated to say, okay, sometimes we need a bit something different than what John Anderson provides. And so we're going to change that. And, of course, because of Marin's injury, we've had to change different things. Neve Charles has played right back. Jess Carter has played right back. And you just, to be able to continue to have that consistency, to be able to keep clean sheets, to be able to still pin back teams like Bayern Munich with second, third choice. I mean, I don't even know what choice fullback Neve Charles would be because she wasn't even supposed to be a fullback. (laughs) So, like, you have all of these things that are just bold calls but they uh, Emma is does such a great job of letting the players know what she needs from them. And that's why I think it's so great to see like the like even when we won the Conti Cup, Fran Kirby brought out Mary Mielda's jersey. Mm. Like like you just see how close the team is in moments like that. So it was great to see Mielda being able to be out there. I think at one point she did discard her crutch and was just kind of walking around and everybody was like, Hey, Mielda, like Pick that back up. We need you next
1: season. Crutch up,
2: <laughs> yeah. Like stop playing around. But yeah, you just see it, and it's so great to see. Um, she just des- she deserves it so much. I mean, she went through so much with this team, and she's one of the players who's been there for a while, and deserves to be on a team that has this much success.
1: There, there's a lot. There's lots to get through, but I need to let Brandon wax poetic about uh, Ann Cratchner because I I don't know if it would be unfair to say Andre that perhaps she was not the world-class goalkeeper in the last couple of seasons that she was this year. Uh, and and we've seen her play um, up close at, at Kings Meadow. What she has done this season has taken it to a whole other level uh, and especially in big games. So uh, I will, I'm going to pass it over to our, our resident goalkeeper who will pass it back to you like a good goalkeeper.
0: Um. Well, look. I think uh, I think this season, you know, it's it's always important. Emma has like rotated her goalkeepers far more than most, just in general. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. We had some goalkeeper rotations because the chair came in, and someone left at the beginning of the season. I can't remember who. Anyways. Um, the fact is, you know, he had a bit of an unsettled group. Carly Telford is on the English national team, the veteran, you could say, but by no means past it. Um, you've got, and then you know, Anne Katrin came in last season, did okay, but I mean, she really wasn't the starter, she wasn't getting a lot of minutes, and towards the end of the season, she did. Um, and then I can't remember if it was Project Restart. Or this season because the women had much more of a blur than even the men did between seasons. But we even saw a couple mistakes from Katrin Berger, you know, with her feet. A couple of, you know, just I call them like clumsy confidence issues. Not catching things cleanly, dropping things, whatever. And then it clicked for her. And she makes a penalty save. And she makes a point blank reaction save. And then... It just becomes the norm. And I think in her world, she unlocked a new level that she probably didn't know she had and had some self discovery and said, I can perform at this level regularly, not at being a stand up performance. And she has. I mean, how? I mean, she, she single handedly kept us in the Champions League. I think that's fair to say. But you have to look through this entire season, it's not just the Champions League, right? So I'm on FB Ref. Goalkeeping. Katrin Berger, she's played 17 of the 22 matches. You don't get to that level without consistency because she played all these other matches on top of it. Uh, Carly Telford, very capable, th- three matches played, Zachary, two matches played. But even to this point, point, and Katrin Berger, so far ahead of all these other goalkeepers, like in the country. And all of a sudden, she's top of the sheet in Europe. I just hope she maintains it. She is having the season of her life. And um, the Golden Glove is hopefully the first of many awards that she receives this season. Because she has been unbelievably immense. Especially like you think of the the tight situations we've been in. If you don't have confidence in your goalkeeper, you're screwed. But Kirby, uh, Kerr, whoever's attacking the midfield, they know that they're going to get a couple more chances. And so they, you know, anyways, it just, the team builds off. It, it was unbelievable. And it just, I just, I couldn't have been more impressed by, by her um, coming to, to a whole new level this season. Andre, it's funny to me. I,
1: I think goalkeeper is the only position on the field that does this, but when a goalkeeper is confident, they grow five inches, their wingspan gets bigger. They look more imposing and I would say after that Atletico Madrid hard two leg tie, I mean that was a not enjoyable <laughs> by any means. Uh she looked like the most confident person on the team and there were two players who were scoring every other goal in front of her. Um that that to me signals a whole different kind of person.
2: Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of um scary Champions League games. <laughs> <laughs> that we had, that we advanced through because of Ann Catchemberger. I mean, she's been doing this, you know, from the from the penalty saves multiple <laughs> against Atletico Madrid uh, to big saves against Wolfsburg to that crazy save against Bayern, which I still don't understand that save. Still watch it from time to time and just it still blows my mind. But she, her biggest, her she's always been a good shot stopper. Her Mm -hmm. biggest thing was making sure she could be relied on when the team needed her to use her feet to distribute the ball. Mm -hmm. And that's where she had struggled. She, you know, would sometimes make passes directly to opposition players and, you know, put herself under pressure, things like that. Now, the team puts her in some weird positions, like we saw even today and against Reading. I think Jess Carter passed the ball back to her when she was already being pressed and she was able to use her feet to, to get rid of the ball and not give up a penalty or dive on it like some keepers do because they panic and don't realize they could use their feet. She's much more comfortable in those situations. And that doesn't mean you need to just put her in those situations time and time again, Jess Carter. Please don't do that again. But mm-hmm. the the good news is that Berger has progressed so much that if she is one of the most com- complete goalkeepers in the world, I think, Christian Endler, who is at PSG, is probably just edges her out like by a hair. But Berger, like this has been a meteoric kind of rise from her. And this has been such a dominant season, and she really, really deserves that golden glove because there were so many times where, you know, when Chelsea was trying to figure this out, you know, how are we gonna play? How are we gonna squeeze teams? Sometimes there was a lot of space left behind particularly in the flanks. And Berger came up big to say like, all right, I bailed you guys out, fix whatever y'all got going on up there. But she was reliable. And when we have needed her the most, she has made the save. Like there are multiple games against big competition where you can look at it and you can say, if Berger doesn't make this save, it completely changes the result. And I think that's why, like, those are the margins that you look for with a goalkeeper. That's what makes a goalkeeper top two in the world versus every everything else.
0: This team is stacked. Look, I
1: haven't even brought up Melly Loopholes. Haven't even brought up Pernilla Harder, who is
0: voted the world's best player. Look, Pernilla <laughs> had a bit of a quiet season, you could say. Um, you know
2: what's so funny about that? When we were talking about how stacked this team was, I was like, the funny, like, I think this is a good... This gives you a good illustration of how good Emma Hayes is because Pernilla Harder got to the Champions League final as the central figure at Wolfsburg. I think it's no slight to her at all to say that she's basically the third option in attack for Chelsea. And she's all right with that. She's good with it because she understands what that means. She understands she's in a much better position with this team as the third option than she was at Wolfsburg. Who was a very capable team like i said got to a final almost beat leon like got close that game was a little bit you know unfortunate they had opportunities but that's like she is that kind of player if you put her on another team she can get them to the champions league final and she's playing in this team and still excelling still getting her goals but mm-hmm. playing a, a very different role and is okay with it
0: it's yeah amazing. i think she's a little bit more of a a playmaker in this team rather than the, just the, yeah. the goal score for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, her Melly loopholes is coming from Bayern. I don't know how to say the women's version in, in, in German, like they say like the <laughs> frown or whatever their women's team is, but, um, <laughs> coming from Bayern Munich, right. You know, obviously no slouches. She had a tense match, you know, playing them again, like, Oh, look, I came here to advance. I, can't get knocked out by them and um, she's been an amazing number eight this season uh, box to box uh, chipped in with the goals super creative Um, really I mean hit the ground running settled took no time to to go Nick and she's been become very very integral uh, to this team yeah you see
1: you know in a team full of leaders you see real leadership quality with her and you know I mean she's only 27 so there's there's still some time to go yet uh for her and her career, but i you know i you you put all these different amazing pieces together in a pandemic season uh without you know a proper off season in the way that that a team would typically have, and all you're kind of doing right now is like what are they gonna do when they actually get to train together <laughs> like what are they gonna do when when Emma gets to press reset on this season when it's finally over and go all right, last season was pretty good, but we need to retool and up for for this year. You know, it it I think she's gonna be something special, Andre, to watch moving forward. Uh, you know, it's it's not hard to notice her and her movement on the pitch, and uh, you know, I think probably uh, probably is like the the person who has who has a ad- you know kind of assumed the the role for me of scoring bangers. Um, I, I think her long range shot a couple of tasty ones in there this year
2: oh yeah absolutely she's and that's that's kind of another thing is she's progressed too like she's grown too and Mm -hmm. from even from what she used to do at byron which obviously was quite good starting there frequently she was a a key part of their midfield and she comes to chelsea and she's suddenly autumn like instantly a key part of our midfield and it's because of how good she is at playing that role identifying space, always moving, very mobile, always being an option, always keeping the ball moving. And then later on, you see her, you saw like during the season, you saw her get more comfortable and start taking shots, start getting into the box, scored some awesome goals. Uh, Like you mentioned some of the long range hits, but also some like she had in this match, which when you look at all the options, it's almost unfair, right? You look at all the options for the first goal today against Reading, you look at all the options there to score that goal, and what does Chelsea run? Chelsea runs a set piece designed for the ball to, from a corner to be kicked to the top of the box for Melanie Loopholes. Not Pernille Harder, not Fran Kirby, not Sam Kerr. It was Melanie Loopholes, and she nails it perfectly and scores our opening goal. Like that's a versatility, that's a trust, and I just think things like that are only going to continue to grow because she is such a she already is such a great player. And you can see that Emma Hayes is saying, you're already great, but here's what you can do to be even better. And goal scoring is one of those things where, you know, as, as Chelsea, we love goal scoring midfielders. It's is kind of what we do. Um, and I think Melanie Loopholes is going to become one f- fairly consistently. I would be surprised if her goal tally almost doesn't double next season.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. Well, look, more to come. Uh, keep an eye out there. There's going to be a lot of content coming out, breaking down. More of the season, but we had to get our instant reaction to these damn good footballers winning another title again. Fourth in five seasons, they're not messing about. They're not mucking about. This is this is a team with pure pedigree and uh, one that should be looked at and respected for for what they've accomplished. And uh, a standalone podcast was was all about that. So um, again. I think Look, that job not done. One more. Right? We got, we, got, we got a big one coming up. We do. Because one thing that we talked about, right, is that we were so damn proud that Chelsea are the first club in the history of mankind to be, have a double <laughs> Champions League final. Sit on that. It's amazing. Two teams in the Champions League final, the creme de la creme, the hardest competition in club football, in the world, in Chelsea happen to have a men's and a women's team in the respective competitions. I'm big up in this one forever. I, like, Andre, if I could put five grand down right now to lock this up, because we have the only team in London with European Cup scarf. You know how long I will big up the only team in London with a men and women's <laughs> Champions League title? Uh, it just, I will be unbearable. Uh, But here we are. (laughs) And we're playing Barcelona. I believe it's May 15th. All right. So it's before the men's. What, a week away? 16th. 16th,
1: right?
0: But it's a week away.
1: Sunday. Right? Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: Before the show, we're trying to rattle our nerves a little bit. Maybe not as confident as (laughs) Nick and I are. But that's okay. So this is the next big challenge for this team. First time in the final. Uh, Where are they playing? And... um, what do you think we have to expect from Barcelona?
2: Yeah, they'll be in uh, Gothenburg um, playing playing their final. Um, and look, like it honestly could go either way. Like I, I think not only are Chelsea you know the Ch- Chelsea are the first club ever to have men's and women's. I also think that you have to give the women a little bit of an extra shout out because this was the most difficult Champions League in the women's side that we've ever had. It's never been this competitive and we made the final and that's amazing. So even if the Barcelona result doesn't go well, there's still a lot to love about what we did and what we've done. But the reason why I'm a little concerned about our Bar- Barcelona is because they, well, two, two things, they attack really hard, really well down the flanks and we will be on mm, our second or third choice right back at least. Maybe our second choice left back. And so that's going to be a task. Asking Neve Charles to match up against Caroline Graham Hansen is going to be rude. But we might have to do it. So that part concerns me a little bit. The other part is that we've seen in two-legged ties, Emma Hayes goes out there with one game plan in the first leg. In the second leg, she completely dismantles the team. When she has the ability to game plan for a team after facing them one time, she completely destroys them. And we saw that against Atletico Madrid. We saw it against Wolfsburg. We saw it against Bayern Munich. The second legs were so much better. So much better Chelsea performances. And, of course, finals only won. So this is really going to test, I think, for me, more than anything, this is really going to test Emma Hayes' tactical um, abilities. And she's excellent at it. But she is working with not her strongest defense. And that is going to be something that Barcelona are going to try to exploit. And if you just look at their goal tally in the league, in their league, not as strong as the WSL. So you can't make a one-to-one comparison. But they scored some like over 100 goals and only conceded like three. So like they are an impressive squad. That squad is no joke. They dismantled Manchester City. They got by PSG. They're a very, very, very good team. And so I am nervous. I am always nervous. But I am also with Brandon if, and I'm not going to say it, but if you won't be able to shut me up either.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, does Emma do something crazy here, Andre? I mean, just understanding what you just said about the the tactical now that's going to be required here. I mean, does she... Does she go full Tuchel and do three at the back and, and play with wingbacks and try and just uh, release Kirby to, to do their thing? Or does she stick with the tried and true 4-4-2 and just make sure that the wingers are extra attentive <laughs> uh, to their defensive duties during the game? Because, I mean, typically finals are are not super open games. I mean, both teams have, you know... Uh, a, a lot to lose, and there's typically some caginess in the first halves at least. But, yeah, I'm just trying to get your read on on if there's going to be something a little different here, if she's going to spring a surprise on us. So, you know, um,
2: I would not put <laughs> earlier in the season or, you know, I may not have put too much. Uh, I would, I may not have completely negated the idea of a three at the back, but we did try that once and it didn't go well. <laughs> so I don't think she's going to do that. But I do expect Chelsea to play very reserved. I think that she's going to need Aaron Cuthbert. Um, We're really going to need her motor, her aggression, in order to calm down one of the flanks. I think we're also probably going to have to rotate to control one of the other flanks. So we're going to have to do kind of some off-balance defending, I think. And it is going to be a bit of a different system, but I would be surprised if we didn't do a 4-4-2 4-4-1-1, Four four one one, something like that, just to make sure we have the flanks covered, but we also have numbers in midfield um so yeah i I don't know if I expect something wild, I'll be extremely nervous if the lineup is something that <laughs> that doesn't automatically fit into like a four four two uh or a four two three one, but um yeah i'm i'm hoping I'm hoping she doesn't galaxy brain it
1: that that's the. Like I guess is Harder the one that misses out then in that scenario, or is I mean, who's who's the one that gets sacrificed for the defensive solidity?
2: I mean, probably Harder. I mean, I think you have to keep uh, Kerr and Kirby up there, and if that's what you're going with, I think you have to you have to bring on Harder. You know, look at bringing on Harder early, uh depending on how the match is going. Um, you know, maybe at halftime or something. So. You know, it it is going to be an interesting match. And I do think, and I think Emma Hayes knows this. I also think that she mentioned um, in in one of her interviews that she's done recently that she's going to have to be, she's going to have to make herself change things if she sees something that's not working, like even Mm -hmm. if it's personnel. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Emma Hayes maybe make a first half substitution if she realizes like something she did is being really picked up on Barcelona. I think she knows there's no second leg so she's going to do something if she needs to.
1: You get, you get one shot at it, right? So yep. so in your mind, are you doubling up? Are you doing Neem Charles and Jess Carter on the right? And are you uh, putting Cuthbert and John Anderson on the left? or what, What's your setup looking like? Yeah, to be honest, I think, I think Jess Carter
2: plays much better on the right than she does the left. She has kind of played both, and I think this is why she's played both, so Emma Hayes can see where she's more comfortable. So I think we're going to have Jess Carter and probably Fran Kirby over there um, tucked Mm -hmm. kind of together, closer together. I think on the left, we're probably going to see Neve Charles. I don't think she's going to put John Anderson out there. That's going to be such a difficult assignment for her. But I think that's why she's going to have Aaron Cuthbert with her. (laughs) Um, And I think that, that level of protection did work. We did see it work in a Champions League match. So it does work. Uh, It really shut down Wolfsburg, which was a huge, huge thing because they tore up our flanks. But um, Jonna Anderson just plays a bit more defensive and she invites players to run at her uh, and tries to, you know, stop them positionally. And Caroline Graham Hansen would love that. And so I am expecting a different left back and plenty of coverage on that side.
0: Look, a lot, a lot is going to be happening uh, before we wrap the, or you know, before we we get to this one. But I mean, so exciting, and I think it was really important to, to to hopefully entice some of you that are coming to the celebration pod to uh, get you prepped for uh, a massive match. Uh, if you are looking for more information, obviously, continue to listen, to Andre and uh, his co his co host, his counterpart in the Frank Kirby Fight Club, uh, our Discord. We have a very Active Chelsea women's uh, channel as well. So, again, you can access that through a Patreon. There's a lot of ways to get involved. The coverage of the women has never been better. I say that knowing that next season I'm going to repeat the same thing because the TV coverage will again be even better. Look, this is an amazing time in Chelsea football club's history as we are making it right in front of our eyes. We don't have to live in the past like so many other clubs out there saying, well, guess what we've done in the 60s and the 70s and 80s. We are living Chelsea's history right now, and this is a massive part of it. So again, just get involved, uh, get stuck in, and in, in, even if you don't know any of the players, just go watch this match. It is, is super important, and it's a great way to get started. So um, look, I'm just so excited. I mean, this season's only halfway done when it comes to silverware, yet yeah, here we are on May 9th uh, recording this uh, with Andre. So again, just... You know, overall, is is Chelsea winning the title in the fashion they did, Andre? Does that meet your expectations? Are you surprised by what we've achieved so far? Or is this less than what you expected? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't walk it enough?
2: <laughs> I'd have to be more demanding than MA's to, to say that, and I'm not. <laughs> um, no, I think they exceeded my expectations. Like I said, I didn't expect... Uh, Fran Kirby to be this Fran Kirby. I didn't expect her to link up with with Sam Kerr so well. Um, didn't expect all these new pieces to fit together as well as they did once M. Hayes got it clicking. It was a wrap, so yeah, completely exceeded my expectations for this season and are only going to get better.
0: What about you, Nick? Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: exceeded expectations as they normally do, and it's not just about the silverware, which is, of course, the the end result. Uh, It's the friends you make along the way, you know, and uh, made some new friends this year, a bunch of new people uh, in and around the squad, a bunch of new uh, fans out there who are who are coming to this fresh and who are getting to see uh, what has just become standard uh, every week, uh, which is some free flowing attacking football and a lockdown defense. And uh, for me, this is the team that has a legitimate quadruple opportunity not the team up in Manchester on the men's side. So I'm hopeful if they're able to to get the, the Champions League done, I'm hopeful that they will, uh, will finish it out with the FA Cup and, uh, and just take care of
0: business. Trouble on the line at a minimum so we can get to the quadruple. Anyways, Andre, thank you so much for joining us. As always, spending your time with us talking about the team that you love so much, uh, helping educate us along the way as well and keeping our perspectives in check. So uh, thank you very much, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, Nick, as always, love chatting with you. Uh, Appreciate Dan for putting in the work on the side projects that we're doing. Uh, I can tell you, though, he has been the one tweeting all of these women's matches. So do not ask if he is anti-Chelsea women, because I promise you uh, he is not. He is fully committed to the cause. Yeah, double studs up. Dan's Yeah, No doubt about that. Just thought I'd clarify so he didn't get any questionable tweet so anyways that's gonna wrap us up again this is a five pod banger of a week all right we have a podcast dropping every day this week during the week so uh this is number two we got joe tweeds uh part two interview with robin uh ruben samut on wednesday then thursday will be post arsenal and friday matt law so anyways buckle up Chelsea fans big week uh it is nothing but trophies uh and finals from here on out to the end of the season so that's gonna wrap us up so until next time Chelsea fans you know what to do Keep the blue flag flying high.